This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. On August 25th, I'm the most brutal, vicious, ruthless champion that ever been. The most anticipated original series is here. You may know Tyson. You're the heavyweight champion of the world, young, rich, and black. But do you know Mike? The minute you get too big, they gotta cut you down. Starring Trevante Rhodes. Um, I am Mike. And Harvey Keitel. They'll love you as much as they fear you. Now I'm really gonna have some fun. Mike, series premiere August 25th, only on Hulu. With bills to pay and debt piling up, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. Personal loans through NetCredit can provide funding up to $10,000 to help you get back on track financially if eligible. Our secure application process allows you to customize the terms that work for you and your budget. So check your eligibility today without affecting your credit score and help get your finances back on track. NetCredit, a more personal, personal loan. All NetCredit loans and lines of credit are offered by a member of the NetCredit family of companies or one of our lending partners. Visit netcredit.com partners for more information. Hi, welcome. This is that Millwall podcast. This is a championship preview show. We are lucky enough to have three of probably at the moment the best uh, fan media platforms out there at the moment. We've obviously got uh, Benjamin Bloom, um, aka Jesus, where everyone knows him as. <laughs> and he probably, the look he's just given me, hates me for saying that. We've got Elliot from the uh, Champion Chat podcast, and we've got Ryan from the Second Tier podcast so uh good evening chaps good evening ben good evening fella the ipswich jesus eh? there we go evening elliot oh yeah thank you for us on no 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 pleasure and uh good evening last but least ryan hello i'm not sure i'm the championship jesus but i'll take that if you want to call it me <laughs> i didn't but yeah no you can take it if you want <laughs> um, right we'll start with you then ryan um teams to watch this season going into the championship Mm. Well, there's plenty of dark horses this season. The one thing that I'd say about this season is it looks particularly open. 
it's very hard to pinpoint who are the definite title challengers. But I've managed to narrow it down to three teams in particular who I think are teams to keep an eye out for this season. We'll start off with one who ended the season very well, and that's Cardiff. Um, in fact, there's a similar pattern with all these clubs. They all started off pretty averagely, and then they got better as the season went on. And Cardiff are the definition of that. They were superb, especially post-lockdown. And now that they've brought in the addition of Kiefer Moore up front, he is going to be like a duck to water there. He is a superb signing for them. Defensively, they have looked a lot better since Curtis Nelson came into the side alongside Sean Morrison. They look like a really solid outfit. And Neil Harris knows what he's doing. He has proven all the doubters wrong, including me. And he looks like he is going to get Cardiff to... I'd say at least the top six. Whether he gets into the Premier League, it'll be interesting to say. Uh, the next one uh, is Stoke. Now, Martin O'Neill. Martin O'Neill. I always call him Martin O'Neill. It's Michael O'Neill. He uh, has come in at Stoke, and we all know Nathan Jones didn't do a particularly great job there. Let's leave that behind. Michael O'Neill's come in, and since that has happened, he has shown why he's such a highly rated manager. Stoke, I think, were only behind Millwall and the rest of the top six for being top of the league when it comes to um, form since he came in. They've looked superb since that. And they've made some decent signings as well. Now, they're not particularly youthful, it's got to say, but at the same time, the likes of Stephen Fletcher, who's come off his best season yet, John Obi McKell, who's a very experienced midfielder at this level. Morgan Fox from Sheffield Wednesday is also another one who's coming off his best season so far. So I'm, I really fancy Stoke to do really well this season, go a lot better than they did last season. And then the final one, it's going to sound like I'm pandering to the crowd here, but I'm going to say Millwall, just because it looks like Gary Rowett has got, he, he's got Millwall going in the right direction. Now, the one thing that I'd say from last season is that they relied a bit too much on Matt Smith and Jed Wallace to uh, score the goals. But with the addition of Troy Parrott, I am very excited to see how he does this season. I think it could be kind of similar to what we've seen from Rian Brewster and Tammy Abraham at the Championship because he's someone who is so highly rated by uh, Spurs fans. He's not really given a, a good look in because Jose Mourinho doesn't like to play youth players. But he's someone who's been talked about for quite some time and should have been given a chance at some point last season, especially when Harry Kane was out for ages. And Millwall, as we all know, are very defensively sound, one of the best teams in the league defensively. So when you add that in and then the addition of Troy Parrott going forwards, I think Millwall could be onto big things this season. I think, I think Millwall, I think it's an exciting season ahead for Millwall, definitely. I mean, obviously, before we come to you, Elliot, um, for, for your... Um, teams to watch I think it's going to be interesting I think Parrot will give us um, a slightly different feel to what we've had for the last couple of seasons um, and, and I agree rather than expecting Jed and likes to to do stuff what he's probably running himself rugged really with um, the past games last season and whatnot you could see that he goes in 100%. He's into everything. He's chasing down everything. He's doing everything. Um, and sometimes just getting that ball in the final final part is hard for him. Um, but looking at the goals, what Parrott scored in pre-season, the two goals he scored, 
there are goals written with his name written all over him. The ball's chipping and he's there and he sticks it in the net. And that's what we need. We've not had someone like that for a little while. So, um, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. So, we go to Elliot next then. What's, um, what's your thoughts? What shirt are you wearing there, Elliot? Uh, it is a, a retro Sheffield Wednesday shirt, I, I have to admit. But, um, yeah, in terms of teams to watch, I, I would echo the, the Stoke prediction from Ryan in particular. I fancy Stoke definitely to be in the top six. Uh, Michael O'Neill has done a, a fab job there and having watched Stephen Fletcher and Morgan Fox first-hand last season, I think they'll be really good uh, additions, especially Fletcher coming off the back of his best season, as Ryan quite rightly pointed out. But to go for a bit of variation, a couple of teams that have caught my eye um, from the back end of last season and also some of the work they've done in the, in the transfer market, I'd say Swansea, definitely, under Steve Cooper is one for me. Um, re-signing Mark Gray at the back is going to be a really good signing for them. He, he didn't feature loads after he came in from January and then and really started to hit some form towards the back end of the season as, as they hit the playoffs and he did really well. Uh, Morgan Gibbs-White comes in as, as a pretty much light-for-light light replacement for, for Conor Gallagher, who's gone back to Chelsea, who obviously did so well with uh, Swan, uh, with Cardiff, initially, not Cardiff, sorry, with Charlton initially. Um, and then with Swansea on loan in that attacking midfield area. And it's interesting to see how Morgan Gibbs-White will fit into that role because you would argue potentially he comes into it with, a, with more pedigree than Gallagher did last season, having broken at Wolves when they were in the Championship and been in around the first team. But he's plateaued a little bit in the last two years, it's fair to say. So he signed a new deal uh, and he's certainly with uh, the right person in Steve Cooper, who we've seen can can bring the best from players. Um, so I think they've made some really good additions. The only um, query I've got potentially about Swansea is obviously they've got to replace those goals from uh, Rian Brewster because I, I find it very difficult to believe they'll get him back. I think he's destined for a a Premier League loan if, if Liverpool don't decide to keep him in their squad entirely. So if they can get another striker in, um, maybe another a loan player from a, from a big club, I think they, they'll be in good stead with RU and uh, Jamal Lowe as well is a good addition from Wigan. So I think they look strong. Um, and the other team, I would say Derby County as well. They look a lot more settled now um, under Philip Koku after some of their additions uh, and having had 12 months to, to bed in uh, his style of play and his philosophy, which was a big change from Frank Lampard and why they struggled so much in the early parts of last season. But they finished really strong, as we know. Um, Jack Marriott's back fit now, pretty much missed the entirety of last season with a growing problem, which he had to have surgery on. So I think he'll be good. They are going to miss Chris Martin, but equally, I think in Waghorn and, and Marriott, they should be all right and maybe need another striker, but, but that's debatable. But um, I think it looks solid in a lot of areas. Defensively, they've got Matt Clark back, which is absolutely colossal for them. He was their player of the year last season. So he's a big one. Biggest one for me is the goalkeeper, um, Kel Roos and uh, Ben Hamer had a pretty shocking time of it last season. I would argue there's probably not a team in the championship that had a key position they needed to fill more than Derby needed a new goalkeeper. Um, and I think David Marshall, whilst I think there might have been potential better options, I think Dylan Phillips will be a, a snip for whoever picks him up if someone does, which you'd imagine they would. I know Derby were roughly linked with him. I think he would have been a really good addition for that. But for the short term, uh, Marshall's a really good goalkeeper. He did well with Wigan. Does have the occasional error in him um, and he's getting on a bit, but it's definitely an upgrade on what they've got. But with the likes of Jason Knight, Louis Sibley, um, Max Bird coming through, I think they should be really strong, uh, led by Wayne Rooney, of course. And, and after 12 months under Koku, I'm looking forward to seeing how they kick on for a full season. Yeah, I mean, when they played us, they um, obviously behind closed doors, but Rooney was controlling... Control it. That was the Sibley hat trick, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, the youngster. Okay, they were, you know, they were easy goals to a degree. I mean, we just lack of concentration on us, but you still can't take it the class away from him for for a kid who's eighteen. 
I thought they were really good finishers. They, they, they were composed finishers from a player beyond his years, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, last but not least on, on this part, then uh, to you, Ben, what, what teams are, are you looking forward to watch or, or teams that we should be all watching out for this season? Um, well, I agree with uh, Ryan and Elliot on Stoke. Um, I can see them, um, well, they've already strengthened and they were, I think, seventh um, already under Michael O'Neill. So any improvement there puts them into um, sixth. Um, Derby, I agree with as well. Tenth place finished and their young players will improve and they're in year two under Koku. Um, obviously, the boring answer, I'm afraid, is the year one parachute teams of which I would have Norwich um, the head of those three. Not sure how Bournemouth will adapt. They've got the hardest job, I think. Um, Watford, yeah, they, they're good in the championship. But Norwich, I think, seem to have front-loaded the recruitment. So even if they do get sales going out, even you know as late as the start of October, they should be set up to weather it. And they've got, obviously, a manager who's won the championship and a sporting director who's got two teams out of it as well. Um, so I think Norwich, I would, I would pick out. Um, Forest, I know they've sold Matt Cash today, but... Um, they've added uh, Lyle Taylor in with Graben. I like the look of Luke Freeman and the big caveat, if they maybe can free up, I don't know how much of the Matt Cash money goes to, um, you know, balance the books and how much gets spent. But if, um, I don't know if Carl Jenkinson's ready to play right back, but if they can um, may- maybe bring in one or two more players for fees with the cash money, um, I think they could look good. And come on, they should have finished in the top six. It was only a mad last 30 minutes of the season um, and a six-goal and three-point swing that saw them out of the playoffs, wasn't it? So um, so Norwich and Forest. And then I quite like the look of Barnsley. They just look look like good, good fun, don't they? I mean, they could finish basically anywhere between about 23rd and 5th, couldn't they, Barnsley, depending <laughs> on what Struber, Struber does. None of us would be surprised with any position. And, they, you know, I... I don't think they'll care particularly about defending and we'll get lots of players we've never heard of from Austria and some will be brilliant, um, I guess. So, um, yeah, uh, I'd say Norwich from the parachute teams, Forest, um, you know, given where they finished and then just Barnsley for a bit of fun. Oh, Barnsley. Barnsley, I think if, if we still had Harris as our manager, I think I'll be looking at that game where we could finish 23rd or we could finish 5th, you know. Um <laughs> <laughs> that's probably explained our seasons over the last couple of seasons. But um, at the moment, I, I think we're looking at, um, I think we've, we're fairly comfortable with a top half finish this season for us. Um, I agree with you with Stoke. I think Stoke has got rid of some players and obviously um, they've got some good players. Lee Gregory is a good player for them. He, he scores some important goals. Um, you know, he comes up and scores them. Again, Derby, I think they've got some youngsters there. They're starting to settle now under the, under their manager. And again, I think, you know, Rooney does have, love him or, you know, love him or hate him. He He's still got skills and he's definitely got skills for the championship because his football brain is immense. He, he can see the game playing out and pick players out and he can stick balls on them. Um, and it just opens up the game like he did when he was with us. He just, he was controlling the, controlling the ball, controlling the game and knocking it about. So um, 
So interesting teams there for for most to watch. So we'll start with you this time, Ben. Um, players to watch. Well, uh, and this is obviously with a big caveat that there's still a month of transfer window to go. So some of it these players, yeah, will likely be gone. Um, I mean, if I pick out a few from certain clubs, obviously Connor Chaplin was um, a player of the month and Alex Mower at Barnsley. Birmingham seemed to be signing a whole team, but we'll see how um, Leco goes there. Um, Blackburn, I'm very interested. They've signed two expensive forwards the past two seasons. Neither has worked out in Gallagher and Brereton. I think you might get a situation where one of them starts to work out. So that could be interesting. Um, Bournemouth, I'm a championship guy. Haven't a clue. Um, Brentford, obviously, is Ben Rama, but he's very much likely to, to be gone, isn't he? Um, Bristol City have just signed Chris Martin while we've been on air as well. And I'll give you one more. Cardiff, um, Ryan will probably help me out, or Elliot. What's the name of the new fullback that used to play for Arsenal? The right back, someone, Otse Tutu or something. I can't it. Yeah, he sounds, yeah, sounds I don't quite... Watch it, that. Yeah, he sounds quite good fun. Um, like he's going to be an attacking it's fullback. And, um, I think Ryan just wants to see him every time he crosses the halfway line, ping it into the box for Kiefer Moore. Um, 10 crosses per game, I think, there. So that, that, would, that would be a few, and I don't, want to, I don't want to take every single team there. Um, so I, I will pass the baton on. So we'll go to you next then, Ryan. What, what um, players are, are you um, recommending that people watch out for? It's mainly two players who we mentioned already, and one of them is Louis Sibley, um, who Millwall fans know very well after his hat-trick last season. Um, he is someone who's a very raw talent still. He's still only 18, and he's got Derby fans very excited about how good a player he's going to be. He is not afraid to run at players, and he's got a bit of a bite about him as well. He's kind of like a, a young James Madison, I'd say, in, in his style of play, but he is going to be very important for Derby this season. And that's crazy to say when you consider he's still a teenager. Um, but he is someone I'm really looking forward to seeing this season and seeing how he progresses. Another one who we've already mentioned, Morgan Gibbs-White. He is now getting his chance at Swansea, having been at Wolves for a few seasons now and never really having a chance, despite him being very highly rated. He was part of that uh, England side, was it under-17s, who won the World Cup all those years ago. And... Everyone thought he'd kick on, but he's not had that chance yet. We've seen with Rian Brewster and Conor Gallagher last season how they have had this platform to shine, and they've done it. I think Morgan Gibbs-White could very well do that this season for Swansea. And then the last one is a bit of a wild card, really. I've gone for Tyler Walker at Coventry. Now, he was uh, sold by Forrest, and he was one of those players who Forrest fans thought might kick on eventually never really did and then he was at Lincoln last season scored a decent amount of goals and his underlying data shows that he is probably projected to score quite a few more now he's got this chance at Coventry where I imagine he'll be one of he'll be competing with Matt Godden for the number one striker uh, position but if he gets going he could be an unbelievable bit of business I don't know how much they've signed him for but it's he can't be more than a million so if he gets going, he might be one to keep an eye out for in the next couple of seasons. So, I mean, definitely some interesting players there. I mean, it, look, I think it's um, 
the championship is a lot different to where it was. There are some class players there now. Um, and there's some good youngsters coming through. So, Elliot, last but not least on this subject, what are your um, your players to watch then? Yeah, so Morgan Gibbs-White, obviously I touched on in, in the last section, and Ryan is just there. I, th- I think he'll be a really interesting to, one to watch because it feels like, it's a bit of a silly thing to say when he's only 20, but it feels a little bit make or break uh, in terms of it could really catapult him into the Wolves' first team um, or equally it could find himself really, you know, at a crossroads in his career, um, which again sounds daft at 2021, but it's an important low spell for him, having having plateaued, as I said, over the last couple of years. One for me that I think, again, this is with the caveat that they probably won't be here come uh, October, and I, I think David Brooks is absolutely one of uh, nailed on to be one of the contenders for Player of the Year if, uh, if Bournemouth keep hold of him, which... I would be surprised if they did, but the only thing that plays into their hands in that is obviously he was injured for a large portion of last season, didn't come back till the end, but I think he's a, he's a class above. And, and if I was one of the, even one of the biggest six in the Premier League, like a Tottenham, and you want someone that's not going to absolutely break the bank, but equally is a good homegrown option, I think David Brooks would be fantastic for them. Um, I and I think Elliot, he'd be really Sheffield important. United take him back, wouldn't they? Definitely, they definitely would. Um, I think there was, they, well, they probably wouldn't under Wilder because I think there was a few agent issues and the way he went about getting that first move to Bournemouth but it is exactly the sort of player that you know any mid-table Premier League side would, would slot straight into their team and even someone for like a Tottenham I think he would fit really well to add some creativity I know Manchester United are sort of looking at him as a potential backup for Jadon Sancho and a couple of options they've got if they need to strengthen that right wing position but I, I like him in the number 10 personally and I think if Bournemouth can can play a 4-2-3-1 rather than the 4-3-3 we saw for most of last season because King's probably going to go, Wilson's probably going to go, um, I think Brooks could be a, a really key player for them. And if they don't get the price tag they want, given the injuries he's had, he might just have a season in the Championship and, and that could be enough to get them certainly in the top two and the top six. Yeah, I, I, as I said before, I think it's the youngsters who, who are going to shine this year potentially. Um and I think, you know, you've got the old hands there, you know, the likes of Rooney and stuff like that who are going to go. But I think it's the youngsters where we're going to see some make or break seasons for some of these where they're going to get a good potential contracts on the back of um, potentially this season, next season going forward or, or you know, they're just going to slowly stay in the championship or move down. Um, like with, with Taylor from, um, Lyle Taylor from Charlton, you know, Charlton fans absolutely up in arms. Oh, you know, he, he should have signed up and all that. You've got to look at it. The fella's 29 years old. He's got his family to provide for. This is probably his last opportunity of a big contract, what will set him up, you know, from football. And you know the way football works. He would have signed that extra month to, to play for the remainder of lockdown season and he would have got injured. And, you know, Charlton wouldn't have paid him anymore with everything that's going on there they would have dropped him like a hot rock and then he wouldn't have had any teams to go to and and his career's ended and he's got no money out of it. This way, I think, very business-like, obviously proves that he's got his head screwed on, um, which in football, um, a lot of the time it's all, you know, it, it's not necessarily screwed on for business sense, it's screwed on for, you know, money and pleasure and, and buying the next Lamborghini. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean... Just before we move on, obviously, to um, what your thoughts on Millwall's season. I mean, I see 442 today has come out with um, their championship predictions. Um, their top six is Brentford, Norwich, Watford, Derby, 
Nottingham Forest, um, Cardiff, and yeah, in Cardiff for the top six. Millwall, they've got finishing eight. I mean, do you sort of agree with that top six, or do you think possibly not? Um, there's a couple of predictions out there. I mean, there's a there's another one come out what puts the top six. Um, Swansea, Watford, Brentford, Forest, Stoke, Millwall. Um, what's what's your your thoughts on the four four two one? I think just to, to jump in, I, I think I personally don't fancy Watford at all. Um, I, I actually think Watford will do the worst of the three relegated teams. Um, Ducore is going to go. I'm not sure how many goals Glenn Murray's going to score. Andre Gray would be a good signing for most other championship clubs. Are they going to get the best out of him in that Watford system, though? I'm not sure. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I have no problems admitting that I know absolutely very little about the new manager coming in, although he's got decent pedigree with Maccabi Tel Aviv. Um, so I personally think Millwall are in a stronger position than Watford. And we've seen with Huddersfield and Stoke the year before that there's always one team that has a hangover. And I think it's more likely to be Watford than Bournemouth. And a lot of people seem to think it will be Bournemouth. But I think Watford with the turmoil, they've been more likely. So I would say Millwall got a better chance than um, Watford for sure. I would probably say they might. They're probably on a similar par with Derby as well. I wouldn't. I would say both of them are between fifth and eighth you're looking at potentially um bottom couple of places or or just outside. Ben, your um your views on that top six? Um I, I don't want to sound like a politician, but with this transfer window, you could literally like for example, what happens to Brentford if um I don't know, pick a Premier League Champions League team comes in with forty million for Ben Rama on October the fourth. Yeah. What, what, what do you do? You've got no time to replace them and you lose your best player like that. I think that could really um, scupper certain teams. I, I agree with Elliot on the, um, on the relegated teams. They either finish in the top five or the 15th. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. It seems to be very, very black and white with the year one teams. They either struggle with all the moving parts or it's fine and they do push home the parachute advantage and they're and the um, and the extra Premier League sort of players, um, it's it's hard to it's hard to argue. I mean, all the ones we've we've mentioned. I mean, we've all we mentioned about nine teams between us, didn't we? Ones to watch. So we've probably got most of the top six covered. Um, I, I I just feel and, and Millwall comes into this category. There's certain teams: Millwall, Preston, Bristol City, Blackburn, QPR. Um, would have to have like a perfect storm season and for certain other teams to be incompetent for them to get into the top six. And that's no disrespect to any of those teams just because of the financial imbalance and the uh, the advantage that some of these other teams have. So um, I think I said this to Ryan the other day, your first port of call is who's going to be the basket case that, you know, completely... Th- throws away the advantage they have from having a better squad and more money and then people sneaking in because you could get a very boring scenario where if um, Bournemouth get it together, if Watford get it together and Norwich get it together, given the absence of, quote, big clubs that we've lost the likes of Leeds and Villa over previous seasons, um, you know, the the, the muscle could talk. So um, I've totally not answered your question but answered your question at the same time. Excellent. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much, the right honourable Benjamin. Um, <laughs> Ryan, your 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 views on that before we um 
we move to the to the Millwall question. So, um, yeah, what's your views on a four four two top six? Yeah, I'm I'm going to have to give a politician's answer as well because we've got our uh, championship table predictions coming up this week. So yes. look forward to that. Um, anyway, sure tune in uh, second tier podcast. Sure uh, I will say though that Ben is right because with a good month or so left of the transfer window, there's so much that can happen in that time. Um, I do think that with regards to the three who have come down. They're so hard to predict because you can hold so much against any of them, really. Um, obviously, Bournemouth and Watford, two new managers, and Norwich were just absolutely terrible last season, weren't they? So it, it's so it's so hard to call. But as I say, it's such a wide open division in terms of who could actually get promotion this season. There's so many teams who I look at as dark horses that they're not really dark horses. They're one of the leading horses, really. So. Yeah, it, it's so hard to predict. I'd say there are a good 10 teams probably who could sneak into automatic promotion this season. I've, I've, I, yeah, no, I agree. I think Norwich and Watford um, will probably find it a lot harder in the Championship than possibly Bournemouth. Um, we'll... <laughs> Do you realise in the course of this podcast, we've all tipped different ones of the relegated teams to struggle? So there's just no consensus on it whatsoever, it, 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 isn't it? No, I, I don't. <clears throat> I don't think there is, and I think the only reason is that Norwich had an absolute mare towards the end of last season. Have they, you know, probably the COVID um, lockdown and everything else with the training, the short, the short season, everything else. Um, the fact that there's, you know different cup involvements and whatnot, are they going to find it hard? I think they will, because the championship isn't a walkover. Um, <clears throat> the championship is a hard, 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 hard league to play in. The players are rough and ready. They're, they're not scared. You know, they will tackle you um, if, if you get by them and they're losing the advantage. They will bring you down hard. And some of these premiership prima donnas um, won't like it. So it will be a wake-up call. Um I don't know. Just I, I think Bournemouth um, possibly will will play the better. It might be completely again, like we said, it'll, it'll possibly be completely the wrong way round. Watford could prove us all wrong and suddenly steam it, and they get automatic promotion. Can't see it, but you know we're open to that. Well, look, you're on a you're on a Millwall podcast, um, and it would be rude and pointless doing this just purely on a on a championship lot. What you three do. But it's interesting to hear your views um, on what you see for Millwall's season ahead. So um, on that, I'll um, I'll start with you, Ryan, this time. What's your views on on Millwall's season and obviously Millwall players ahead? Yeah, I've kind of gone over it already, Gavin Tag, because I've I've got Millwall down as a dark horse. But having said that, I do think the strength of the defence, and then you add in the additions in attack, I think that will just make a massive difference this season for Millwall. In terms of where I think they could finish, I think top six is obviously the aim, but it wouldn't surprise me if they even went one better, you know, and maybe sneaked into automatic promotion because we've seen teams over the, over the past few seasons who have come out of nowhere in terms of where they finished last season and then go on and just storm the league the next season. And it's so open. It's so open that 
I, it really would not surprise me if um, Millwall were to really challenge for the automatic this season. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on a Millwall podcast. I'm honestly not. I, I do. Th- I do really like the look of what Gary Roberts doing at Millwall this season. And it, a lot of it's going to depend on how Troy Parrott settles down. But if he goes on and gets 20 goals next season, then Millwall are going to be up there, aren't they? Oh, definitely, definitely. And and I know. Um... I know you're playing to the crowd, Ryan, because you 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 felt the the harshness of the crowd before this season, did you? Last season, so so yeah. Okay. So um, Benjamin, what's your views? I know you're um you've slowly got a um a, a hidden secret um affair with Millwall. You quite like Millwall. You come down to see us quite often. So um, what's what's your views on the on players to watch or, or where you see us going this season? It's not. It's not a secret. I love to go to love to go to Millwall. I'm I'm outed on that one, big style. Um, look, the first thing that needs to be said, I'll hark on something that Ryan just said about it being open, and I totally agree. And it does just a little bit colour Millwall's finish last season because I don't know if the boys would agree. My sense last season, Leeds were really good. West Brom had a really good manager. Brentford and Fulham were kind of getting there all the way through the season. After that much of a muchness wasn't it you know Cardiff got there on a good run at the end uh, Swansea snuck in at the end Forest messed it up and then you get to Millwall so um, it wasn't like the previous season where you had um, Farkas Norwich who were really good while the Sheffield United were really good um, Villa just had muscle didn't they loads of wages lone players Grealish McGinn um, and then uh, Bielsa's Leeds as well so I think it was more open last season. Uh, surely it can't be that open this season. I know I've said big clubs have gone away. And we had that crazy rising tide at the bottom of the league last season as well, didn't we? Where, God, it was 50 points. Birmingham, one place above relegation on 50 points. And if um, Wigan... Oh, excuse me, two places above relegation there. Um, Barnsley, one above on 49. Um, and that's taking you know, the crazy Wigan situation now. I just feel that Millwall are already punching very well for their for their weight, for not having parachute money, for commercial revenues. And then, of course, every season, here come another three um, Premier League teams. Here comes Warnock at Middlesbrough. Derby in year two are going to improve. Bristol City have got a, you know, new manager. Might they improve? Who knows? It just, there's arguments um like ryan said for 10 teams possibly so what i'm saying is if millwall even match eighth for their size and what comes in essentially above them i think that's decent um enough could they go higher of course you can get the you know championships like who who suspected norwich or sheffield united to be the top two in 18 19 not very many people um because I, w- I would have heard about the bets that they put on them that they didn't put on them because no one suspected them um so i guess and uh, you know elliot won't thank me the only thing that's certain is it's going to be a very hard season for sheffield wednesday because you essentially need to be eighth in the league to finish 16th in the league with minus 12 points don't you that's the only thing that's certain and it, it might be tricky for Wick- wickham and rotherham on on size but in terms of in terms of millwall Yes, they could go higher than eighth, but as I say, that requires a lot of other moving parts in the division to kind of work in their favour a little bit, if that if that makes some sense. 
Oh, I could just jump in there quickly then, going on what Ben was just saying. The three teams that I mentioned, Cardiff, Millwall and Stoke, they all changed their manager fairly early on in the season uh, because their form initially wasn't good enough. If they had managed to replicate that form that they had for the rest of the season, early on in the season, then Millwall, for example, would have been in the playoffs, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cardiff could have very well been challenging for more automatic promotion, as Stoke may have well been challenging for the playoffs as well. So so with Reading. <laughs> amazingly. So with Reading. <laughs> All these things. You, When you've got um, a consistent... Uh, run a form under a manager like Gary Rowett, who's experienced at this level, I think um, it clearly shows that Millwall are in a good position heading into this season. And now that they've strengthened, I think it's going to make a world of difference. No, I think I think it's exciting times ahead. I think, you know, it's one of those unknown, unknown questions or unknown um, endings at the moment is that if Troy Parrott and, you know, a few of the other Millwall strikers suddenly start hitting form, then, you know, our defence is strong. Bartes is, is superb in goal for us. I mean, Bartes, I think... Bartes, the World Cup winner. Bartes, not Bartes, sorry. <laughs> Bart is... Um, Bartes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's turned French now. He's gone from Poland to France. Um, now, you see, I could do a lookalike comparison now with you that you did earlier with me, but I'm not going to. <laughs> if you grow a little goaty beard, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I'll just grow one up. Just need Lauren Blanc to come and kiss you on the head before every game, right? A magic marker somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'll, one. I'll, I'll get a beard for the next one, all right. Um, but no, I mean, Bart is, it was a superb player, superb purchase for us um, from from a switch. Um, I think the defensive is there. We just need players that can score goals. And if we found that with Parrot and the other players come on form, anything can happen for Millwall. It's one of those seasons. I think the fans feel that... You know, our calling is coming. Um, we'd love to get in the Premiership. Would the Premiership love us? Probably not. But we would definitely love to go up there for for definitely a season. So, um, your views in it, Elliot? Yeah, I think when you look at the difference between Millwall um, end of last season and, and what we're looking at now for the new season, the, the big difference, and, and I don't want to weigh too much heavily on his shoulders, but Troy Parrott is, is the big talking point and it's impossible to get away from that. He, if he does a, a Tammy Abraham who came into his season with Bristol City relatively unknown um, and hits 20, 25 goals, that is the thing that Millwall have missed, the missing link to get them into the playoffs. So like um, Ryan quite rightly said, I think they'd be sixth under Gary Rowett uh, from last season under his form. They've got a fan, I do really rate Gary Rowett. Oh, I want to state that for a fact. I, I always liked him um, as a manager when it, I thought it was incredibly harshly sacked at... Uh, at uh, Birmingham and did well at Derby as well and did um, obviously had a bit of a shocker at Stoke but I think we've seen from that with Nathan Jones that he's definitely not the only person to have done that by any means but when you look at the, the, the spine of the squad obviously the goalkeeper which you've mentioned Bielkowski he's one of the division's best and his data proves that as well um, Jake Cooper at the back solid as anything getting Ryan Woods back is, a, is an excellent signing who was one of the championship's best midfielders at Brentford lost his way at Stoke a little bit rediscovered that form under under Rowett again. And then you look at the attack, obviously Jed Wallace has got to keep producing at the double-double in terms of goals and assists hitting the, the double-figure mark on both of those as he has done in the previous two seasons. And if he does that, Matt Smith's goal return was probably better than a lot of people were giving credit for last season. 
but you always feel that they need someone next to him who can who can you know really take advantage of those flick-ons and his aerial presence that can get you 15 goals a season that can get tw- up to 20. So my view is Millwall were about just under playoff form last season. I, I just I just the, got it the, up, the, Elliot. You're you're right. Sixth sixth place from when uh, when Rower appeared. Yeah, fifty four points from thirty four games. So you're right. It's always good to know. Um, <laughs> quite often I will talk with the rubbish, so I'll, I'll take it when I'm right for once. Um, so yeah, I think I think the success of Troy Parrott is going to be the big difference because a lot hasn't changed, um, which is a good thing really because you need that sustainability. Um, which you had under Neil Harris, albeit at a lower end, and Gary Rout's got the capabilities of getting teams in the top six. So if if Parrot hits 15 to 20 goals, I think Millwall are looking for a top six finish, definitely. Uh, but they're never going to be far from the fifth to the eighth, tenth position. They're always going to be in and around that. And I think the success of Parrot, if he struggles and gets seven or eight, you're probably looking, they might just miss out. And if he gets 15, 20, you're looking at fourth to... I don't I don't think they'll have enough for the for the top two, I'll be honest, but... I think anywhere from fourth to, to sixth, they've definitely got a great shot if Parrot's on form. No, I, I, I think you agree. I think, you know, most Millwall fans would think as long as we finish top 10, to be fair, there's probably a high percentage of Millwall fans would just want us to finish outside the bottom three um, and yeah. be happy with the season. I think something so, would have to go wrong for not to finish in the top 10 because it's very sustained. As I said, it's it's a very solid platform. There's, there's potential growth with Parrot, for example, but I don't think there's anything that could go catastrophically wrong where they wouldn't at least get a top 10 finish. My biggest concern about the season this this season is the fact that the games are going to be played so fast and furious, potentially. I mean, you know, if you get round to the fourth round of the Cup, you're looking Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday games where... Um, with the veracity of, of the Championship... Are players going to get injured from these games? That's that's my yeah. um, concern. The death could be a problem. That that is probably the only thing you make a good point with with the the speed games are going to come out, and also the slight loss in obviously not having crowds at, at the den, uh, which we know is such a, a massive thing for Mill in particular. That that is a slight loss for them, but. Um, those, those are the other couple of things that could really play against them for me. Well, sorry, Elliot, can I just come in as well? Um, Rower as a manager as well, um, he loves a draw, doesn't he? He's a, he's a pragmatist, he isn't he, Rower? And I think when you've got the, the quick games coming thick and fast, it's often the teams that are A, churning out the wins, uh, B, have a player who can just turn a game that... You know, that's where Troy Parrott could be that person. That that, that's games. sort of what I was thinking. He could turn those draws into the wins. Yeah, I mean, the trouble is what we've got to... Millwall fans have, uh, have got a bad habit and obviously Ben's been to a few of our games. We do have a lot of boo boys and the problem is, is that if Parrot has a couple of bad games, they will get on him. Well, if the crowds aren't there, they won't. But the, the, our fan base um, is very unforgiving. Um, and Even to a young loan player? What's that? Yeah, oh, to anyone, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah to anyone. Um, it, it will hold up for a while and then you know, it will go, it will get. That's, I think that's why, you know, Kane said what he said, you know, if you can play in front of a Millwall crowd, you can play anywhere because they will get on your back. They do expect 110% win, lose or draw regardless. But look, I was going to pin you down on your predictions, but I think, you know, let's finish with your thoughts with with COVID and obviously um, crowds coming back. I mean, Obviously, we're looking at um, around October, potentially for for twenty thirty percent of crowds to come back. There are test games. What we 
we spoke before we started recording with Cambridge. Um, we'll start with you, Ben. Um, what's your thoughts? And do you think that if we don't get crowds in till potentially next year, that it, it, it is going to affect some teams not having that supporter base there? It's tricky, isn't it? Um, I think if we have sensible perspective on all of this and we take our hats off as football fans, if we're not getting crowds back in at the start of next year, then there's probably a further problem in society that we need to worry about more than crowds being at the football because it probably means places are in lockdown, there's been another spike and the virus hasn't gone away. Um, look, I've I've gone to work, I've gone into a bar and played the piano with people sat there, there, there and there and there. So we're, we're at this point now where if that is not safe, why am I doing it and um, don't open the football stadiums? But if that is safe, I can go and sit three seats to Elliot on that side and to Ryan on that side and not give them COVID, which I don't have anyway. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not, I'm not being a conspiracy theorist or anything like that. I'm, I'm aware of the problems with it, but I think now as um, society opens up, it's just going to be the last thing that gets ticked off. And sadly, um, us, us football fans rightly or wrongly have um, earned a reputation of distrust and we kind of, get at the back of the line when things tend to be opened I agree. up, I mean, don't we? I mean, they got rid of 64 million meals during this, you know, the month of August where we're sitting in restaurants, you know, not far away from other people walking in where people have got masks, walking with masks, take the mask off while you're eating, etc. They've opened up the cinemas, etc., etc., etc. Things are going. I think it's more common sense than anything else. You just need to, you know... Wear your mask, don't wear your mask, that's up to you. You know, the government says wear it. It's completely up to you what you're going to do. You're only really protecting you and your family. But if you can go to a pub and stand next to people and have a drink, you know, I've been out of my family, you you know, you just, you know, use the gel, wear a mask in, whatever you sit there. I mean, we sat down in restaurants at, at through through August and whatnot. Not, not all the way, towards the end of it we did it. Um, but you just... You just be safe, and I think that's the thing with football is that if if you're safe with it, then I think you're not necessarily going to get a major problem. Um, but again, you know, look at what happened in Scotland. You've got a you've got a sort of question to what's what. Will the second wave come? I don't know. But Ryan, we're um we go to you first before we finish with Elliot. So I mean, your thoughts on the crowds and and what of or you pretty much agree with what me and Ben have said or Benjamin have said. Yeah, I agree with what Ben was saying. The thing is, as well, you've got to take in, in, into account is that uh, it's open air, isn't it? So it's not in a building, which is one of the big concerns with coronavirus. But I will say, um, you know, football in this in this moment in time, it doesn't really matter. It, it's a sport at the end of the day. And of course, we'd all like to be back in the grounds and um, seeing a full capacity. But if the world outside is a completely different story, then we've just got to be patient with it at the end of the day. Um, if the big thing that will play a part in whether fans are back in, in stadiums is if there's a second spike, um, which has been talked about this winter, whether that happens or not, who knows at this moment in time. But I think it's looking like fans are slowly getting back into the grounds. Um, it's going to be a case of 30% 
up to 40, up to 50, up to 60 and what have you. It's going to slowly build up until eventually the virus is gone and then everyone's allowed back in. That might not be until next year. And if that's the case, then so be it. There are more important things in life than football at the end of the day. Is there? I I, I understand where you're coming I mean obviously taking it in the scenario where you're saying it but I think I think football will change to the benefit to a degree I think there'll be potentially like I said before they will probably look at allowing drinking back in the stadium possibly they'll look at different things more pretty much more the American style where the guys are walking around with the hot dogs in you know, in the bag or the beers in the bag, and and that's you know like a when you go rugby, when you go rugby, you stand outside to, you know in the, on the concourse sort of thing, and there's guys walking around with a Guinness bag and all that sort of stuff. So I think they'll probably look at different ways because they won't want you congregating in in the console, um, in the console, in the um, in the walkways. Uh, toilets will be another interesting thing at football because they always fill up. People smoking. Oh, smoke at Millwall. No one does that, Ben. That's that's a blatant and unfounded. <laughs> it's a mess. It's a mess. No, Why does no my hair does. always stink after I've gone to Millwall? No one does then? any of that at Millwall. That's a lie. <laughs> um, so, Elliot, what, what's what's your thoughts before we um, we sum up and and go our merry ways? So, your thoughts on it? Yeah, um, try not to just echo what what's been said, but I am of the the belief that now is the time that we should be getting a certain amount of capacity back in. I find it very hard to believe that it's safe to have people in cinemas in particular and indoor buildings. I think the, the big thing that, exact the, the thing that, that's the big difference for me with football is it is outside. That, that, that is the big difference to me. And I think Ben was absolutely spot on when he said, if football wasn't football and it was a different sport, it would already, fans would be back in. It's because of the distrust between um, football fans and authorities when people go to matches a bit beard up and bad things happen. That 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 has made a, a big difference for me and I think people would be back in if it wasn't for that. I see no real good reason given what's been allowed elsewhere why we shouldn't be starting to allow capacities back in. And even if it even if it's the case that people have to wear a mask during the game, but if you're sitting people two or three seats either side and you're letting 30% in, the only thing that needs to be really well done is the exit strategies and making sure that people are leaving at the right times. And if you do that right and you've got 30% in and you can build it up, I see no good reason personally why we shouldn't now be having 30% in stadiums. And I do feel quite passionately about that, that it is time now for society, In if it's moving on everywhere else and things are staying as they are, if we do things safely and the exit strategies are right, I think that there's got to be a little bit of trust there because clubs are going to go under if, yeah, if we're not careful. Um, so it's finding that balance, but I do think 30% and then building it up, I do think now is the time um, to start doing it because things like cinemas, I just, I just, if cinemas weren't open and things like that, it'd be different. But if you're going to open up those sort of things and restaurants, they're inside and don't have to wear masks. It's, it's being outside, that's the big difference for me. So I definitely think that we should be doing it. I think trialling certain games is a good idea, but I would like to see 30% in sooner rather than later because I think it's time that we, we move on a little bit because the games are outside. Yeah, no, I agree. Look, I think if if they do stop and, and it does carry on at the moment, non-league's coming back. Um, we're post a league. We're post a link in, um, in the show notes here. If you are missing football, 
there are non-league and and you know um, the lower lower league clubs what would be desperate um, for you to Absolutely. go and watch some live football, uh, buy some beers, obviously in that sort of league you can s- sit on the fence and drink the beer. Um, you know it's going to be cheap football, and you might see some up and coming talent. Um, what's actually quite good, some youngsters coming up or some old players playing. Um, there seems to be quite a few ex-players going into these lower leagues now. So, um, again, support your local leagues if you can. But look, final thoughts. Um, we'll go quickly round you in case there's one thing you want to say before we shut off. So, Ben, any final thoughts you want to add to anything what we haven't covered? No, no, just um, enjoy it. It'll be weird, but you know what it's like. We'll all be sat there. Here we go. Game week 46 happening now. So, it'll, especially this season, it'll absolutely fly by. Um and enjoy it because, you know, you could be an Ipswich fan. It could be a lot worse. Elliot, Elliot's yeah. going to be joining you next season potentially anyway, so don't panic. Well, uh, we'll see. Um, but yeah, not looking, not an ideal start, is it, with minus 12? But um, no, I, th- I think the three-month spell we had without any games has just taught everyone to, to savour it uh, and really enjoy it. And we have got the most unpredictable and, and fantastic league in the world to cover uh, between us and watch. So... Like Ben said, enjoy it, savour what we've got because we've, we've seen what it's like without uh, with three months and so much uncertainty. So just really looking forward to it all getting kicked back off again in a, another crazy season and a 46-match slog. And Ryan? Yeah, it's different times we're living in. May as well make the most of it and enjoy it. We'll look back on this in a few years' time and think, that was a bit weird, wasn't it? So yeah, <laughs> let's, uh, let's make the most of it while we're here. Yeah. A great <laughs> philosopher once said, "That was a bit weird, weren't it?" <laughs> I think the best one. Your accent, right? I think the best one I heard this morning on the breakfast telly was someone said, "We're actually living a part of history," and I'm thinking, yeah. "Every day is a part of history, regardless of this." So yeah. Well, look, thank you very much. Those of you who want to um, find out more about Ben, uh, Elliot, or Ryan in, in, on what they do on their own fan platforms um, and their fan media channels. Just check out the links on the show description, all their bios and their uh, Twitter accounts and their podcast uh, sites will be there. Um, please do follow them. They would love you to have a follow. They do talk sense, hence why we picked them. I think Ryan and Ryan's got some good things planned for this season. Benjamin just is now got his whole new show rather than Ipswich. He's, he's going to be a, a, an interesting one to follow. He's on Twitter quite a lot doing some live feeds so uh, definitely worth checking him out but look this is that Millwall podcast uh, thank you very much for listening please you missed follow. Elliot out huh you missed Elliot out give him oh, a plug oh sorry uh, and I'll, I'll go back there I, I completely fucked up as well but yeah it's good. <laughs> um, Elliot Elliot's sitting down in the corner um, I was just looking on well, minus 12 points as well I'm just about saying I'm ready to kick from EFL I don't need yeah. to so look <laughs> If you can go out and follow Elliot, we make sure we put his, his podcast, which is obviously Champion Chat Pod. Make sure you follow him because the more followers he gets, the better he feels about having to start the season on minus 12 points. Yeah. So, look, thank you very much, gents, for, for joining us. Um, it's been a cracking show um, and uh, we'll have to do it again soon. So you've been watching and listening to that Millwall podcast. Uh, that's it for now. See you again soon. Bye-bye.
At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding your motorcycle with your buddies on the open road. It's a potent cocktail of thrills, laughter, and pure adrenaline. A feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now. Hit it, sound effects guy. I'm real proud of you, son. Wow, that was terrible. Our apologies for even trying. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.